0: good evening. Certainly good to see everyone back tonight for our evening worship on this wonderful Lord's Day to you fathers. I should have said happy Father's Day when I was up here earlier doing the announcements, but hope and trust everyone's had a wonderful day. I know that I have. appreciate all those things. Also, on a personal note, I want to thank this congregation on behalf of uh, Shannon and myself and the boys. Thank you for The wonderful celebration we had last Sunday evening and the cards and gifts and all the well wishes that you've given us, we appreciate that and we love this church family here and thank you for being so welcoming to Shannon and Chase and Jacob uh, to the family here at Soddy. We ask also if you to pray for us as we enter into this new adventure in our lives and we uh, look forward to serving God with you for a long time. Tonight... We're going to continue a series of lessons that were kicked off earlier in the um, month, talking about transition. Talking about transition and change. Tonight we're going to focus on transition and change that we find we read about in the New Testament. Transition, defined, the word transition, can be used as a noun or a verb. In the noun form of a noun, Dictionary says that it is the process or a period of changing from one state or condition to another. Used in a, form, in a verb form, it means to undergo or cause to undergo a process or period of transition. You know something about transition, it can be positive or it can be negative. Sometimes both at the same time. One can lead to the other oftentimes. Transition or change, and we'll use those terms interchangeably tonight in this lesson. Transition, even when it's positive, brings tension and anxious thoughts, doesn't it? It's just the nature of, of change. You know, I'm going through a transition in my personal life. Made mention that I recently was married, and it's a transition. It's positive, but yet it's still causes anxious thoughts sometimes and it also causes us some disruption. You know, we like routine, don't we? We like things to be the same. We like status quo. So when change comes along, it disrupts the norm. Change and transition is part of the human life. However, we're told in Malachi chapter 3, verse number 6, God says, I do not change. God is the same. And you know something? We, can, we should be encouraged and thankful that God doesn't change. We can take consolation and comfort in that fact. Even during periods of transition and change, we can take solace in knowing that God is still in control. As we talk about transition in the new that we find in the New Testament, you know, we've said on many occasions we'll continue to remind us all of the fact that the Bible, God's holy word, provides all the answers to all the questions to all people of all times. We see examples of transition and change throughout the New Testament. Our lesson tonight will look at several of those instances in an effort to learn And to grow from these examples. The first one I want to talk about is the transition from the law and the prophets to Jesus. You know, the prophets and the law of Moses were really preparatory things, processes, things that God set into motion for the purpose and for the pointing of, to, towards the Messiah. You know, there's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament concerning Jesus Christ. You remember there in Matthew 17:35, Jesus goes up to the mountain, he takes uh, Peter, James, and John with him. And then appear with Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. Moses representing the law of Moses, and Elijah being representative of the prophets. All three were there, and you remember how impetuous Peter said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Must build a an altar, a temple to all three of these individuals. And what did God say? This is my beloved son, hear him. In other words, signifying a transition from the law of Moses and the prophets to Jesus Christ. Ushering in his ministry, ushering in his covenant that would be established when he on his death, burial, and resurrection if you have your Bibles turn to Hebrews chapter 1 Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 beginning talking about transition from the old law and the prophets to Jesus Christ the Hebrew writer there says God who at various times and various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets verse 2 has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he's appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds. So God, through the, the pen of the inspired Hebrew writer, there tells us that the prophets have been done away with. The law of Moses has been done away with. We are now to look to Christ for our example and our instruction. Does that mean that the law, the law and the prophets was bad or... or or inferior well in a sense it was inferior but again remember God was the one that set those things in motion so it was evidently perfect but it was looking to pointing towards the day that Jesus Christ would come the next transition we want to talk about together tonight is John the baptizer to Jesus if you have your Bibles turn to the the gospel of Mark Mark chapter 1 And if I apologize, if I'm going kind of quickly, I'm trying to, I've got a lot of material here that I want us to cover tonight and I'm trying to move through it as quickly as possible. You know, it was funny that I, you know, as I was developing this lesson thinking about transition, I initially come to my mind just a few of the transitions that we see in the New Testament, but there's a lot more than just a few. Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John. Came baptizing in the wilderness, verse 4, and preaching a a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and all those from Jerusalem went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptized you with water that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Verse 9. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Let's look at John chapter 1. familiar passage the beginning part of it there we quote and use a lot let's drop down to verse 19 John 1 19 now this is a testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him who are you he confessed and did not deny but confessed I am not the Christ and they asked him what then are you Elijah he said I am not are you a pro- the prophet he said no then they said to him, Who are you, that you may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah has said. John chapter 3. Verse number 22, beginning. John three twenty-two. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing near Anon, near uh, Salem, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, who, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have Testified, Behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. Verse 27, John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled." He must increase and I must decrease, talking about his relationship, his transition, if you will, to Jesus. You know, John's mission, I believe, can be summed up by one word. That word is preparer, preparer. It was his happy task to prepare a people for the coming Messiah. Both Isaiah and Malachi had announced that he would prepare the way for the coming Jehovah. John's life and work was part of God's divine plan. The next transition we want to talk about is Jesus to the apostles. You know Jesus' ministry was not a solo mission. He chose men that he could prepare to carry on his work after he left the earth. He knew he was going to be here only a temporary time. And he knew there was a lot of preparatory work and a lot of teaching and training that needed to go on so that his work could continue after he departed. He chose men that could carry on this work. Let's look at Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 4 verse number 18. You know, this is part of what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Jesus speaking here. Excuse me. I said Matthew 4. That's what I meant. That's not part of the Sermon on the Mount. It's leading up to the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew four, eighteen. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers. Of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. You know, Jesus spent every day and night for about three years or so with these men, teaching them about the nature of his mission. We won't take the time to read it, but in your private study, make a note of Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 27. Jesus, he sent them out, or he told them, on this what we call the limited commission he gave them instructions as to what they would face as his missionaries if you will and he was preparing them the whole time for that he charged them to carry out his plan for the saving of mankind to the world Matthew chapter 28 verse 18 you know the passage we call it the Great Commission. Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, something in that passage there, if you, take, there's a, if, you, if you think about that, there's a formula there. It's almost a mathematical formula. Go, teach, baptize, and teach. Go, teach, baptize, and teach. If you take that formula applied apply it in our world today, it's going to be just as successful as it was in the first century. But it requires someone to go, someone to teach, someone to baptize, and someone to teach. Acts chapter 1. Still talking about Jesus preparing his apostles for a transition. You remember they were gathered here shortly before Jesus left this world. Acts chapter 1, verse number 1. Luke records there, he says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining the kingdom of God. He was still teaching, wasn't he? He was still training. Verse 4, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, he asked them, saying, "Lord," They asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Let's pause there for a moment. They still needed some training, didn't they? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the time or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Verse 9, Now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. So Jesus transitioned his work to the apostles. The next transition we want to talk about and make mention of is Paul and Barnabas to Paul and Silas and Barnabas and John mark you you know paul you're familiar with him, and we we know about Barnabas the encourager the The first time Paul went on his missionary journey, he had Barnabas with him well, Luke or excuse me Luke records in acts chapter um, 13, verse 13, they also had this young man named John Mark with them. In Acts 13, 13, Luke records that John Mark left the, the journey, went back to Jerusalem, leaving Paul and Barnabas to continue. Paul and Barnabas was their own were their own their first missionary journey. This is recorded in chapter 12 of Acts, verse number 25. Then they, in Acts 15 having completed their first missionary journey establishing churches they wanted to go again to go back to some of those same churches and encourage them Acts chapter 15 verse number 36 remember what we said about John Mark earlier then after some days Paul said to Barnabas let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we've preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take him with them, the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia, and had not gone with them to the work. Verse 39, Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Cilicia and Syria, strengthening the churches. So we see here, these two gospel preachers, if you will, they had a contention. The Bible says it was a sharp contention over this, whether to take John Mark with them or not. You know, the dispute between Paul and Barnabas was not a doctrinal matter, but a per- personal difference of opinion. I think we can learn from that and to their credit neither man let the conflict distract them from their efforts in spreading the gospel you know there will always be times when good brethren will disagree in matters of opinion the important thing is to keep focused on doing the will of Christ that's what we see here and we see as a result their efforts doubled in a sense because now instead of one team there was two teams going out preaching the gospel as a result even more work was accomplished for the Lord because of the manner in which their disagreement was handled you know we're, we're in the process of hiring a new minister here something we haven't done in 30 plus years I can almost guarantee that everyone's number one choice is not going to be the, the next minister here but yet we need to keep focused on what's really important And the the congregation is more than just the minister. And we need to continue to work together and love one another and continue preaching the gospel to our best ability. John Mark, because of this, was encouraged, I believe, I'm sure he was, and retained in the work of spreading the gospel. He was the man who, by inspiration, penned the gospel of Mark. Now, if that contention had been differently, if things had turned out differently, it's very possible that that might not have happened. Evidently, though, John, Mark, and Paul reconciled at some later time because Paul mentioned him in two of his epistles, Colossians 4 and verse number 10 and Second Timothy 4 and verse number 11. So we're thankful that that turned out the way that it did. You know, this example shows us that transition that appears to be negative at first can be positive when we maintain our Christian attitude. How about the transition from Paul to Timothy? We have an example in Scripture of a mentoring relationship. That's what we see with with Paul and Timothy. Timothy, the young man that Paul converted on his probably the first missionary journey there into uh, Lystra. Let's look at Acts chapter sixteen. Acts chapter sixteen verse number one. Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to t- have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse number 15. Paul inspired writer writing to this young man, Timothy, his, what he would call his son in the gospel. He says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing or handling aright, the word of truth. So we see there that relationship, that, that teacher-student, almost relationship that we see between Paul and Timothy. You know, the Christian life is not a marath- is, is a marathon, it's not a sprint. It's something that we have to have endurance to continue day in and day out. We must be able to endure transition and change that occurs. I believe Paul understood this and he prepared Timothy. You know, a note for us who are older, we also need to prepare those who are younger to carry on in our work as Christians. On a personal note, Bill and others in this congregation, under the sound of my voice, have served as mentors to me the years and I'm so thankful for them and I appreciate their example and they probably didn't even realize they were doing it but that's the nature of that kind of thing isn't it we are so thankful every lesson that I teach and every sermon that I present is influenced by something that someone has said and I've learned from them so we can be on the giving end of that and we can be on the receiving end of that but it's something that we need to be cognizant of and apply in our lives. The next transition. Apostles to us. We're getting closer to us. You notice that? It was God's plan for the apostles to pick up where Christ left off, establishing the church, proving and confirming the word, God working with them through signs and wonders and miracles, bringing the inspired word to the world in written form, You know something, looking back on that, they accomplished 100% of what God and Christ and others had wanted them to accomplish in doing just that. Now it's up to us to carry on the mission and the work of the Lord's church. I believe Paul, by inspiration, provides us with a plan for this transition. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. We could really read this whole chapter and, and part of or all of chapter 5 on this point, but we won't do that. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, beginning. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, there is one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is above all and through all and in you all. Now, he was writing to Christians in the first century. We, by association, can take this message and apply it in our lives as well. Drop down to verse 11, Ephesians four eleven. Talking about Christ. He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers... For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the fullness of the stature of the, or the measure of the full stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. He's not talking about a physical human body there. He's talking about the church and the function of the church. Skip over to chapter 5, Ephesians 5, 1. He says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. You know, the life of a Christian is often likened in Scripture to a walk. We are encouraged here in the letter to the Ephesians to walk in unity walk in love and walk in light and walk in wisdom it was God's divine plan to save the world through his church and for us to carry on the work began by the apostles there in the first century as we bring this to a close tonight transition and change are part of life God is in control and he will work it out perfectly we need to have faith that he will We need to have patience in his plan. Romans 8, 28, a familiar verse, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. You know it. Turn over and look at it. Again, Paul writing to Christians in the first century. He says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose do you notice what he said there not all, he didn't say all things are going to be good all things are not always going to be just the way we want them if it was up to me Bill would continue here for as long as he had breath as long as he wanted to but it's not up to me it's not up to him God is in control he's going to work it out for good it isn't about me it isn't about you it's about what God deems as good we have to keep trusting excuse me and serving God. You know, Jesus knew that his leaving this earth was going to be cause some anxious thoughts and feelings on the part of his closest associates. Because Jesus knows the hearts and minds of all men, he knew the hearts and minds of these men. John chapter 14. <clears throat> He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know the way you know. You know, Thomas said, Lord, how do we know the way or where you're going? Verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. We talked a lot about a a lot of transition tonight. A lot of examples in the New Testament about transition. The greatest transition spoken of, I believe, in the New Testament is that when one becomes a Christian. It's a transition, isn't it? We go from a lost state... To a saved state. We put that old man. We bury him in the watery graves of baptism. And we rise. To walk in newness of life. Christianity. Demands. Change. Think about that for a moment. Christianity demands. Change. You know I think that's why a lot of people have so much trouble with becoming a Christian. Because they don't want to change. They like the life that they live. Living for themselves and for the world. They refuse to change, but it demands it. Christ demands it. Tonight, if you're here, not a Christian, it's a perfect opportunity to make that change, to make that transition in your life. I guarantee you, you will not regret it. You may face some difficult times, even as a Christian. God has not promised us a rosy path, but he's given us all that we need through his word, Through our church family, to endure difficulties of this life and be successful. Tonight, you can become a Christian by believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Confessing the wonderful name of Christ, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Continue to confess Him each day by the way that you live your life as a Christian—a changed life, a life that has gone through a transition, one that's gone from lost to saved repent of your sins that re- that word simply means to change turn be baptized in water meeting the cleansing blood that takes away sin rising to walk in newness of life God will add you to his church Acts 2 in verse 47 be faithful unto death Jesus said I'll give you the crown of life it could be in times past you've done those things but you've maybe changed and taken your eye off of living a life of a Christian maybe the change that required was required by that was just too difficult God still stands waiting hoping that you'll come back giving you an opportunity to do just that if you're willing to repent of your sins change your mind toward the way you're living if it's public in nature needs to be taken care of in that way God is faithful and just to forgive you if you're here tonight subject to the Lord's invitation Would you not come as we stand?